Hi everyone, welcome to the Sacred Musings podcast with me, Phil Saker. It's episode 81, it is the 4th of May 2023 and today we are thinking about how lies lead to hollow people. So welcome to the podcast today everyone. I've just noticed it's the 4th of May, it's Star Wars Day. You know, Star Wars Day, May the 4th be with you. Um... There we go. Um, so happy Star Wars Day, everyone. And um, yeah, uh, today we're thinking about lies. And last week I was um, I mentioned that Tucker Carlson had been um, fired and I, I mentioned the great speech that he gave. At that point, I'd only watched the last bit of the speech, which is great. But um, I went back and watched the whole thing and it's really, really good. And um, it kind of sparked off some thoughts in me. So we're going to have a, a little break from looking at Os Guinness and Os Guinness's book. This seemed to me to be the, the fact that I don't know whether it's because the titles have not been very interesting, but the, the numbers have sort of dropped off a bit the last couple of weeks. Um, now, if you're watching this and you didn't watch the last couple of weeks because the titles are not very interesting, may I please you know, make a plea? Please do go, do go back and watch them because really I think Os Guinness's book is really, really good. And, you know, I'm, uh, it's very difficult to get the title right. But, you know, if you're watching this and you didn't watch that, um, then it, let me assure you that it is interesting. And uh, he's got some really good things to say. So, you know, let me just um, let me just say that. Um, now, before we get on to the main topic today, I'd just like to go through, um, well, a couple of things that I've seen this week, as usual, um, which you might find interesting. Actually, there's only a couple of things that I wanted to mention this week. So um, the first thing is uh, um, Daniel French, Daniel French of the Irreverent podcast, actually. I wrote an article a couple of days ago, um, which uh, in The Spectator, why millennial men are turning to the Book of Common Prayer. And uh, he's talking about how uh, he has discovered and sort of rediscovered the Book of Common Prayer. Um, the Church of England, the Anglican Book of Common Prayer, and how uh, a lot of younger people, especially younger men, are looking for these these kind of services and turning to the, the BCP. And uh, yeah, I thought it was really interesting read. And it does seem to me that the way that the church is at the moment, the church seems to, to think one way or the other, that what young people really want is gimmicks and something quite light, something quite lightweight, but they just kind of want gimmicks and music and this, that and the other, you know. And actually what they want is something solid and rooted and which actually has deep, deep roots and foundations, such as the Book of Common Prayer. You know, the Book of Common Prayer, it doesn't pull any punches, I love the, the BCP and actually during lockdown, when we were not able to sing in our in our um, well, former church, um, I led a, a Book of Common Prayer morning prayer service week by week for our midweek service. And it was great, you know, it really did the job. And, um, you know, I love the, the BCP, not just for the for the language, but actually for the for the, the message. You know, it's it's really makes so clear, I think. You know what it means to to worship God, what it means to be sinners, but come to God to be cleansed, and it's yeah so so kind of clear and um, yeah it, it puts things it puts things so well. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a, that was a good read. Um, another thing, um, this is actually the only the, the only other thing which I actually um, wanted to mention 
was by um, Dr. Gavin Ashenden. Gavin Ashenden, he did a video, uh, I think yesterday, um, on YouTube. Can King Charles III's monarchy survive the coronation? And uh, I think he managed to put in much more eloquent terms why I basically um, have so much problem with King Charles. Uh, it, it seems particularly the way that the service has been adjusted. You know, that there are obviously certain legal things which they can't be, um, uh, you know, they have to include. But unfortunately, the way that the service has been adjusted, it has been very watered down. And it's a far cry from when Queen Elizabeth was um, coronated, crowned um, back in, in the, the 19, uh, 1953. So it's, yeah, um, there's, I thought that was really good. And he talks about how, you know, Charles is sort of a defender of every faith, every faith but Christian, if you like. And um, uh, which I thought I thought was in any way. Yeah, really good and, and helpful. So do have a, a look at that. If like me, you've been feeling quite uncomfortable with the coronation and with getting excited about it. It does seem to me that Charles is just, you know, that he's the the um the woke king, if you like, and that's the that's the way that things are going. So yeah, do um uh, do have a, a watch. Um, I'd just like to say thank you to um, uh, one or two people who've got in touch with me about the Church with Understand the Bible. I said last week that I was introducing Church with Understand the Bible, which is just you know really for people who want to do like what what I've done, you know. Um, start a church at home basically which I think is possibly going to be the way of the future we'll have to have to see how that pans out but um, if anyone wants to do that then I, I appreciate that you know you, you do want some help to get started especially with the input in terms of sermons and so on um, you know you want someone who's been theologically trained to do that so what I've done is I've I've set up Church Will Understand the Bible and providing some suggestions for songs and, and readings, but in particular, providing a sermon and a catechism uh, video, which you can use in as part of the service. And you can put it together however you want. Um, but that's, um, yeah, uh, I haven't quite done an instruction video about how to put it all together, but there is a page on Understand the Bible with some information about how to make use of it. So I'll put the link down below. Do go and have a look if you're you're interested. And I, I need to keep plugging my book, Confused by Grace, still available on Amazon. Um, and uh, thanks to everyone who's um, who's said kind things about it. Please do leave me a rating, even a review on Amazon if you've read it, as that will um, yeah, help other people to find it. That's 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 the how the algorithm works, you know. Um, so thanks so much, everyone. And if you'd like to support me in other ways, there's a buy me a coffee link as well uh, down below. And um, I do appreciate all of that. And it's just great to hear from you, to hear from people who have been, um, you know, uh, yeah, looking out for, um, uh, yeah, all, all sorts of different things. You know, people have been, um, uh, yeah, messaging over, over the last uh, few months. So thanks for that. Um, now. I think that's everything that I wanted to say. So, oh yes, and if you'd like to get in touch, leave a comment on YouTube, email me through sacredmusingspod at gmail.com or uh, telegram me. The link is down below if you use Telegram. Right, all of that said, let's move on now to the main topic and we are thinking about lies and hollow people.
In the main section today, we are looking at how lies lead to hollow people. Now, this was um, something which the thought process began as I watched Tucker Carlson's speech last week. It's the one I mentioned that uh, probably got him fired from, um, from Fox News. It seemed like he made the speech and then he was fired a day or two later. Um, and yeah, it was really, really good. And what I want to do is just pick up on some of the points that he made in the speech. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, rather than reading out the transcript of what he said, I'm just I'm going to try and play a clip of him saying it because he, you know, he's much more charismatic and he puts things better than I can. So I hope that that comes across clearly in both the audio podcast and the and the video as well. Um, it should work. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought what he said was so on the you know, on the the mark um and so insightful that it it was worth commenting on so without further ado let me um let me go on to the first clip that he's the um, the first clip i would say two things that are i think we're thinking about the first is is you look around and you see so many people break under the strain under the downward pressure of whatever this is that we're going through and you look with Disdain and sadness as you see people you know become quislings, you see them revealed as cowards, you see them going along with a new, new thing, which is clearly a poisonous thing, a silly thing. You know, saying things you know they don't believe because they want to keep their jobs. If there's a single person in this room who hasn't seen that through George Floyd and COVID and the Ukraine war, raise your hand. Oh, nobody? Right. You all know what I'm talking about. I can totally identify with what he says there, that... You know, looking round with disdain and, and sadness as you see people revealed as, as cowards, basically. I think he is so on the money here. And perhaps you can resonate with that as well, that over the last few years, especially with what's been happening with COVID, you know, we've just looked around and you can see people who perhaps you used to, to know well, perhaps you used to respect who have just caved in completely to, you know, the narrative, in inverted commas, in various different ways. And it is a deep sadness, isn't it? It is a deep sadness that, you know, we, the people, know the truth, but the leaders just go along with the narrative because they they want to, to keep their jobs. Um, so, you know, I, I think about that, for example, with um, face coverings, face masks, you know, when the government for the first couple of months were saying, don't wear one, don't wear a face mask, they don't work. And then the narrative changed in, you know, late, late spring, early summer. And, you know, we had local leaders who started saying, no, you've got to wear a mask, otherwise it's dangerous. And you, you just had to think, hold on a second, did you not hear the government saying a couple of months ago, don't wear one. Then what's going on here? You know, why? Why the change? Why are we all of a sudden being, you know, it's dangerous not to wear one? What What's going on? And this is weakness when it comes to, to leadership, that it's when the, you know, we, all, we know something is true or false, but we can't say it. You know, we just have to go along with the approved line. And that, that brings out, and that makes us uh, cowards. C.S. Lewis, I saw this quote this week, I think it was Ivor Cummins who posted it on Twitter, 
and I really liked it by, um, by C.S. Lewis. One of the most cowardly things ordinary people do is to shut their eyes to facts. Now that is cowardice, when we are too cowardly to speak the truth. And that is what hollows us out in the end, I think, is when, when we are not brave enough to say what we know to be true or what we know to be false. And we, we do not speak. We just go along with things for, the, for a quiet life. And that, that hollows us out and that hollows out society. And this is why I believe our institutions have fallen at the end of the day. Because we do not have people and leaders especially who are strong enough to tell the truth. George Orwell, uh, in, in the, uh, the novel 1984... He um, uh, said that the Ministry of Truth had a, I think it had a big sign up which just says, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. And, you know, the message being that the Ministry of Truth would tell you what was true and you just went along with that. Now, what was the purpose of that? The purpose of, of the lie was it enables the powerful to hold on to their power. That at the end of the day, if the powerful can get us to believe a lie, they can hold on to their power. Because that's what it becomes about. It's about power rather than about the truth. Because the truth belongs to everybody. You know, anybody can speak the truth. And it doesn't matter whether it's the, a child, whether it's, you know, like in the, um, the Emperor's New Clothes, whether it's a child, whether it's the lowliest person whether it's a king, you know, the truth belongs to everybody and the truth is just true, whether or not you believe it. And we can all, you know, base our lives on the truth, whatever our position, whatever our status. But when but when you are asked to believe things by the powerful, that's, that's about power, not about truth. And it, it enables them to keep their power over us. And part of the way it enables them to keep their power is because it breaks our relationships and divides us. You think about the last few years, the way that our relationships have been broken during COVID, because some people would not go along with the lie. And some people would say, no, I refuse to wear a face mask or I will stand up against this. So they've been ostracised and it's separated out people who and broken relationships of people who believed in one thing and people who, who opposed it. And I've experienced that, and you probably have too if, you, if you're um, watching this or listening to this, that it breaks our relationship. The lie, being asked to believe a lie at the end of the day, divides us. And part of the problem is that there have been so many things now which have been, where we've been asked to believe all sorts of different things that... We're, we're completely broken. I think that's what we've seen in society. Our institutions have fallen because they've fallen to a lie. And now our societal relationships are broken down because we are asked to believe lies rather than in the truth. It made me think, to go back to 1984, it made me think um, again of that wonderful line, freedom is the freedom to say that two plus two make four. If that is granted, all else follows. At the end of the day, if we're actually free to call a spade a spade, to say two plus two makes four, 
then we can build something, you know, because we're all living in the same world. And that although we may see things differently, we are looking at the same truth. We are all together around the truth, although we, we may have different ideas about it. But when we're asked to believe a lie, that is divisive. Some will believe the lie and some won't. And when especially we have leaders who will not stand up for two plus two equals four, then institutions fall. And that's a that's what's happened, I think, and what is happening and what has happened. And it, it made me think actually of um we've just had Easter as I'm recording this uh, just a few weeks ago and one of the in John's gospel there's a little exchange between Jesus when Jesus goes before Pilate as the uh, to, to be you know um, uh, I say to be judged I'm not quite sure that's the right word but undergoes his sort of trial before Pilate there's this little exchange between Jesus and Pilate so Jesus said you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. And that's from John chapter 18, verses 37 and 38. But I thought that was such a, an interesting exchange there that Jesus, the truth, who bears witness to the truth and who is himself the truth, uh, is standing before Pilate and says, I came to testify to the truth. I am the way, the truth and the life. Um, and Pilate just says, what is truth? Now, Pilate knew that Jesus was an innocent man and he condemned him anyway. And yet there was the truth. He knew that Jesus was the truth, but he did not act in line with it. Pilate, I think, is an example of weak leadership. And that's what happens Interesting, isn't it, that the weak leadership of Pilate, he doesn't uh, listen to the truth and he crucifies the Christ, the, the Messiah. That's the way that these things work. And um, it's a shame, a deep, deep shame upon the church that more Christian leaders are not standing up for the truth in, in all sorts of different ways uh, at the moment. Because at the end of the day, it is... The, the lack of truth which leads to the, the crucifixion of the Messiah, as it did with, with Pilate. But it is always against God and against Christ. You know, God is for the truth in every respect. There is no truth which is not God's truth. And, you know, we need to stand up for the truth in every, every respect. We'll come on to that again in just a second as well. So let's move on to Tucker Carlson's next, um, next, uh, just the third and final part of his speech that I wanted to talk about. This, and once you say one true thing and stick with it, all kinds of other true things occur to you. The truth is contagious, lying is, but the truth is as well. And the second you decide to tell the truth about something, you are filled with this, I don't wanna get supernatural on you, but you are filled with this power from somewhere else. Try it, tell the truth about something. You feel it every day. The more you tell the truth, the stronger you become. That's completely real. It's measurable in the way that you feel. And of course, the opposite is also true. The more you lie, the weaker and more terrified you become. We all know that feeling. You lie about something and all of a sudden you're a prisoner of that lie. You are diminished by it. You are weak and afraid. 
Drug and alcohol use is the same way. It makes you weak and afraid. So I really liked what he had to say here about the truth and about the fact that it is uh, contagious. Um, when we start speaking the truth, there's a, he kind of says there's a supernatural power behind it. And I think that is true, you know, that speaking, speaking the truth, speaking what we know to be true and false and speaking it honestly from the heart, that is power. That is when we have power that, you know, the more we speak the truth, the more powerful we are, in a sense. The more we lie, the more weak we are. And he kind of likens it to drug and alcohol use. You know, the more you use drugs and alcohol, the weaker you are. But, uh, you know, the, 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 more, the more we tell the truth, the more powerful we are. You know, it's, it's kind of like that. And I think that that has been true in my experience, that there have been, over the last few months, I've, uh, well, over the last few years, really, I suppose I've become more bold in speaking the truth as I see it. And that has, I've, I've found it hugely, therapeutic is not quite the right word, because I don't, I don't speak the truth in order to make myself feel better. But it has been, I, I've just found it such a good thing to do, to speak the truth. And to speak things which I, I really should say. And, and there have actually been things um, I've said uh, more recently. You know, I've had the, the, the opportunity to say things which I should have said, you know, way back. And, you know, it just feels good to speak the truth. And to be able to say what, what needs to be said. Now, we need to be people of the truth. And, you know, when we're people of the truth, then we are whole people you know speaking lies like we kind of saw hollows us out but speaking the truth makes us complete you know it kind of builds us up as people and we can be whole and complete people rather than just slaves of the narrative whatever the the powers that be want us to believe i, I do think there is a real sense there that lies just kind of hollow us out and make us just into a shell of a of a person but truth speaking the truth and letting the truth kind of permeate through everything really fills us out and makes us a kind of solid whole person and of course that is true in a, in a theological sense we'll come on to that in just a second but it it, it put me in mind of um Solzhenitsyn's essay live not by lies and this is um I did look at this on the, um, well, before I started doing the podcast, actually, but you can still find the video on YouTube, Live Not By Lies. But let me just quote you a little bit of what he said. And therein we find, neglected by us, the simplest, the most accessible key to our liberation, a personal non-participation in lies. Even if all is covered by lies, even if all is under their rule, let us resist in the smallest way. Let their rule hold, not through me. And this is the way to break out of the imaginary encirclement of our inertness. The easiest way for us and the most devastating for the lies. For when people renounce lies, lies simply cease to exist. Like parasites, they can only survive when attached to a person. I, again, he's saying 
kind of similar to what Tucker Carlson says, uh, but in a different way, that when we stop speaking and believing the lies, they cease to hold any power. Let the lies uh, come into the world, but not through me. That, I think, is a really powerful uh, motto for us uh, to, to live by. It's something which I've only come to uh, understand and appreciate over the last few few months really is the way that the bible speaks so much about the truth and i've mentioned this on the the podcast before but i think it's worth repeating that the bible has so much to say about the truth and it's it's been there all along i've just never really noticed it before and i think part of the problem was i i never really because we lived in a society or i thought we lived in a society where the truth was basically honored for the most part then I didn't realise how harmful and destructive lies were. But there are so many passages we can mention which speak about truth and how important it is, how God hates lies but loves the truth. Let me just read you one passage from Ephesians chapter 4, um, verses 14 to 16. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. And what Paul does here is he connects truth with love. And says, if you love people, speak the truth. And you need to just speak it in love. You know, you don't just, we can't just say mean things about people just because they happen to be true if we're not concerned about them. You know, that um, it's, it's that whole thing about, you know, does my bum look big in this? Well, um, you know, I mean, that's the white lies. I don't think that's really what it's talking about. I think that what. Uh, Paul means though is that we do need to be prepared to love people enough to speak the truth to them and not just spiritual truth but truth about everything. One of the things which I found um, again in our uh, former church but um, you know I had a group um, which met um, on a, a weekday evening when we were talking about well we were going through some of my understand the bible videos and we would talk about that but we would also before and afterwards just have very open and honest conversations about what was happening in the world and the the truth is actually i say the truth is i felt closer i think to to those folk than you know it, it was just such a breath of fresh air to be part of that and to be able to feel like you didn't have to hold back but you could just open up whatever was on your mind we know we spoke about politics we spoke about the world economic forum we spoke about the vaccines we spoke about covid you know we, we spoke about all of that stuff and we were just very open with one another about what we felt and thought and that was such a powerful thing you know to, to kind of really brought us together i think and this is something which um i think paul is driving at here that, you know, we've got to speak the truth to one another, you know, God's truth and, if you like, the world's truth, which is still God's truth. But, you know, just the things that are happening in the world, we need to be to speak the truth. And, you know, something which bugs me the most 
about a lot of church leaders, people who I like and respect and I think are good on a lot of things, is that so many of them over the last few years especially say nothing about the things happening in the world. And I think, you know, if we say nothing, to say nothing now is to side with a lie. That, you know, that doesn't mean we all have to be shouting from the rooftops or we have to bring that into every conversation. But if you're a church leader particularly, you need, we need to be giving people permission to talk about what's happening in the world. We need to be giving people permission to speak the truth in love and the truth about everything that is happening. And if you... You know, it, it's not saying that we all need to agree about it, but we need to speak about it. We need to talk about it. You know, if we love people, we need to talk and openly and honestly about what's happening in the world rather than just retreating into the saying, oh, I'll talk about what the Bible says. I'll talk about the gospel, but I'm not going to talk about wider political things because that's divisive. I think actually to not talk about those things is more divisive at this point than talking about them. So, you know, we need to talk and we need to speak the truth in love about everything rather than just, you know, saying that there are certain spiritual truths which we can talk about, but nothing else. So as we um, as we finish, um, let me just draw a few conclusions from from this. I mentioned at the start our institutions and thinking about the leaders of our institutions that we are led by weak leaders who will not speak the truth and that's that's hollowed out well that's hollowed them out and i think it's hollowed our institutions out as well because what happens when you when you can't build an institution around the truth well then the only kind of unity that you have left is in the institution itself that's uh, that's the problem and so um, what I think we need to do at this point now is if we want to rebuild, if we want our institutions to be rebuilt, then we need to rebuild from the ground up. And that means that we need to commit to relationships and to communities which are built on truth and honesty. I've looked back over the last few years and something which I've kind of realised about the way that I've been doing things is I think some of my relationships were not built on truth and honesty, which is just that there were things which I probably should have said which I didn't say. And it's, you know, that in a sense, that is not honest, is it? If we don't speak the truth... You know, and, and perhaps it's because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. But sometimes, you know, to, to not say anything is the worst thing you can do uh, for someone. You know, if you think someone is going down a wrong path, then it's it's actually the loving thing to do to say that to them, even though it may be hard. And that's what I think we need to do. We need to build genuine and authentic relationships, interpersonal relationships to start with and communities which are just simply built on honesty and the truth. That's what we need to do. And ultimately, of course, that is founded on Jesus Christ. Let me quote you from uh, 1 Timothy 3.15. Paul was saying, You will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation 
of the truth. Paul says the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And that is what we need to to be building on. We need to to make sure that uh, we are uh, at the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And that means building communities which are built on the truth. Um, That's what we we need to do. Um, Let me just finish by quoting from um, Carl Truman's book, Strange New World. I mentioned his book before, uh, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And that book is quite an academic work. It's about 600 odd pages. And it's not really intended for the the average, not really kind of bit like bedtime reading. So Cole Truman has written a book, um, Strange New World, which is basically a cut down version of The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self for people like you and me to read. Um, and I'm just reading at the moment. It's very good. But let me quote you from the introduction, which is actually by Ryan T. Anderson. Um, this is what he says. Most importantly... Truman calls on the church not only to bear witness to the truth, but to be a place of belonging for the broken, forming community and living culturally. Families in particular will need to consider what this means in the formation of their children. Simply attending church each Sunday will not cut it anymore, if it ever did. Socially embodied ways of living in conformity with ultimate realities will prove essential. To live in conformity with the ultimate reality, with the truth, that's what we need to be doing and i think he's bang on and this is why i think that what um the you know, starting church at home you know trying to build on those foundations the foundations of the truth and of the bible and of just living with honesty that is what we need to be doing and um you're just rebuilding i suppose from the ground up and i don't know what that means for for our bigger institutions and how that will change in the end. But I know it starts with saying, I'm not going to live by lies and I want to live authentically by the truth in every relationship and in every area. And if that means that we have to, if you will, start again, then so be it uh, for the time being, because I think that's what's going to change. So, yeah, that's what I would say. We need to live not by lies. We need to live by the truth. And that's how we become whole people and build whole communities, relationships and ultimately institutions built on on the reality of the truth. Well, that's what I have to say. Do let me know what you think. Leave a comment, email me through sacredmusingspod at gmail.com or telegram me. Let me know what you think. And I'd love to, to hear your thoughts about that. So let's finish the podcast with a reflection now from the Bible. So for our final um, reflection today on the podcast, I thought we could look at Psalm 102 or or at least part of it anyway. Psalm 102, which just happens to be the, the psalm that I read um, this morning. Um, but I thought it was really it was really good. And, you know, that it's always that note of hope in the Psalms. And that's what um, I wanted to, to bring out today. It's just that note of hope. So this is some, I won't read the whole psalm. Uh, I'll read verses 12 to 22, which is the kind of the middle section of the psalm. Verses 12 to 22, Psalm 102. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. 
your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favour to her. The appointed time has come. For her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Let this be written for a future generation, that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth, to hear the groans of the prisoners, and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion, and his praise in Jerusalem, when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. Now, the reason that this this struck me was I was just thinking about how uh, God is is not a God who just lets things carry on ad infinitum, but there will come a point where God steps in and where God brings about real change. And this is what, what it says in that, in that first bit. You, Lord, sit in throne forever, that there is a king, one who watches and one who cares. And he says, you will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favour to her. The appointed time has come. There will come a day when the appointed time has come to show favour and to bring to bring down um, the the evil that is going on. It says, um, her stones are dear to your servants, her very dust moves them to pity. Now, I, I don't, um, you know, I'm not trying to make make a, a comparison by saying that, you know, the United Kingdom is in, in any way sort of akin to Old Testament Jerusalem, Zion. But I do think there there are some parallels in the sense that, you know, many of us, I mean, I, I was thinking this with the coronation happening on Saturday, that, you know, the king or the, the queen is sworn to defend the faith, the Christian faith, and that it, it grieves me to to see the difference between what's happening with Charles and what happened with Queen Elizabeth and how the difference between them and, you know, the way that things have been watered down. And it is a grief to me, and perhaps it, you feel the same way, that, you know, you look around at our country and it grieves you to to see that people do not honour the Lord as they should, and we do not honour God's ways as we should. We've turned away, and, and that is a grief, and we care. And I think there is something in that, that, that there is, although you know we in this country it's not akin to the old testament nation of israel or jerusalem or what have you there is something there that we were in the past much more a christian country uh, we have a, an established church you know people would um be asked to attend um church every sunday and we had the book of common prayer and all of those things and that's so much of that has just gone out of the window and that is a grief to me and maybe that's a grief to you as well but as it says, um, that, you know, let this be written for a future generation, that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. It says the Lord um, hears the groans of the prisoners to release those condemned to death. So the people will praise him. And I just thought, you know, that's the hope that, you know, the Lord hears our our 
sees our grief, hears our prayers. And there will come a point when he will step in and he will bring change. And I, I honestly believe that this is the case, that God is not passive and that God is not simply doing doing nothing. But God is is waiting to bring about something across the country, which which will be, you know, unlike what we've seen before. But bring people back to him and, uh, you know, to 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 enable sanity and the you know the word of god to uh, to reign once again and um, that's that's my hope and i just wanted to share that with you uh, again you know i think we've got to in these days dark days we have to continue carrying the flame of hope um, uh, aloft and saying you know god sees and cares and he can and will bring change in due course so you know don't give up hoping don't give up don't think the darkness is one. Don't think that the, the descent into darkness is inevitable because the Lord uh, hears the groans of the prisoners and he sees and he will answer prayer and he will act. So that's a note of hope to finish with. Let me uh, pray as we come to a close and let's pray for the, the things that we've been talking about, just having authentic community and relationships built on the truth and about um, uh, having hope as well. So Heavenly Father, we recognise how important it is in, um, from e- in every level of society to speak the truth, from our own uh, personal relationships, our communities, uh, our institutions and our leaders, to be people of the truth, to speak the truth, to live by the truth, to defend the truth. And we pray that you would help us as individuals, uh, Lord, to be people who have the strength to speak and live by the truth at every point and help us to speak and defend the truth and uh, to to not live by lies, but um, to be people of integrity and uh, that you would help us to grow into whole people as we seek to, to speak the truth in love. And we pray that you would give us hope as we see the in many ways, we are grieved by the descent into darkness in, in many ways across our land, across the world. How a country which used to proclaim uh, your uh, name more clearly has descended to um, all, uh, ungodliness and unrighteousness. And we pray that you would help us to hope and to, to trust in you, that you would bring revival, that you would bring change. We know, Lord, that you can do this. We know that you hear us and that you care. And we pray, Lord, that you would not let uh, the world that you have made to descend into, into chaos and into, into darkness, but that you would bring light again in the world. And we ask that you would help us to be part of that in whatever small way that we can be. So please help us and fill us with hope and your Holy Spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me today. Um, don't forget, if you'd like to get in touch, you can email through sacredmusingspod at gmail.com. Leave a telegram, leave a comment. And uh, there's a buy me a coffee link as well if you'd like to support me. So, um, oh, yeah. And don't forget the uh, church will understand the Bible as well. If you're interested in that, um, that's over on the Understand the Bible website. Links all down below. Thanks so much, everyone. See you next week. In the meantime, God bless. <laughs>